You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Alpha Bay looks buggy, some not-so-bad news on ransomware, and bravo to those Gateway City librarians. Risk-Based Security's 2016 breach report says the USA is number one, but not in a good way. Sweden's armed forces recover from a cyber attack by unnamed parties. Saudi Arabia remains on high alert for fresh infestations of Shamoon. And that Russian treason case may be closer to what would look like a corruption case. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Thursday, January 26, 2016. Bugs in AlphaBay, the big dark web trading post, as ZDNet calls it, have permitted a hacker, gray, white, or black hat, take your pick, but the smart money seems to be on dark gray, to obtain and leak more than 200,000 messages exchanged on the site. It's worth noting again with our partners at Terbium Labs that not all dark web activity is necessarily nefarious, so don't rush to judgment. But it is nonetheless the case that a lot of dodgy stuff can and does get swapped at these trading posts. It's not all beads and other trade goods. The ransomware news today is mostly good, or at least not so bad. A new strain of Verlocker, an easily spread but also easily defeated ransomware variant, is out in the wild. Both Sophos and ESED have provided decryption tools for earlier versions, but this latest edition is even more easily thwarted than that, according to Malwarebytes researchers. Enter any 64 characters into the lock screen's text box, click Pay Fine, and Verlocker, touchingly, naively even, believes it's been paid. So the criminal coding skills seem to be declining, at least in this instance. Nonetheless, Verlocker is no laughing matter. It spreads very aggressively from device to device. Amid reports that many victims of cyber extortion continue to pay up, there's a positive role model and a gratifying success story to be found in the St. Louis, Missouri library system. They've successfully recovered from their own ransomware incident because they had an effective file backup program in place. Their systems have been restored and are reported to be back in business as usual, and they didn't send a dime the crook's way. One thing most security researchers agree on is that ransomware is here, and it's here to stay. Dan Larson is technical director at CrowdStrike, and we checked in with him for his take on what's to come. I think it's really expanding breadth. So we already have some evidence. Um, We saw uh, in the month of January already that instead of just going after a regular old end-user's computer, they're now targeting 
uh, servers on the internet. They started with uh, servers hosting MongoDB. Uh, the, the the reports look like about 25% of every single MongoDB server out there uh, got hit with some ransomware a couple weeks ago. And they're taking that model and bringing it to, to more kind of infrastructure parts of the internet, uh, like uh, Elasticsearch servers and even uh, Apache Hadoop servers. So basically, it's going from attacking data on an individual's computer uh, from the assumption that, you know, the individual will pay ransom for that to attacking other places where there's valuable information. And one of those places is obviously uh, databases. And are we seeing what you would categorize as any sort of meaningful response from law enforcement? Uh, yeah, actually, there's uh, there have been a, a number of you know useful collaborations between cybersecurity firms and law enforcement to do things like uh, take down the infrastructure. Right, a lot of the the ransomware uh, relies on asymmetric encryption, so it needs to reach out uh, to a command and control environment. And we've seen, you know, a handful of law enforcement initiatives to take down that infrastructure. Um, we've also seen some collaborations. There's one uh, out of the out of the Netherlands. It's just called Stop Ransomware, and it has Europe, Europol and a number of other uh, private security companies that are uh, providing a centralized place for decryptors and and things like that. So they're doing what they what they can, but you know, from an attacker's perspective, you know, encryption is kind of a a, a beautiful thing, right? If you if you implement it correctly, uh, it's it's very difficult to to undo and recover. And w- where do you suppose we are in this arms race? Are are the good guys making progress, or are we still playing a game of of catch up? I think there's a lot of catch up uh, still being done. For example. I saw a report that said 49%, so almost half of all small businesses, were uh, impacted by a ransomware attack. And one in five small businesses that were impacted ended up going out of business, you know, a few months later. So I think that, you know, in general, there's a a level of vigilance that just kind of isn't there. There's a lot of people who think, oh, you know, I, I, I have antivirus and, you know, that should protect me. But you know, that's, uh, that's outdated thinking. We need to step up our game and get a lot more serious about how we defend our systems. That's Dan Larson from CrowdStrike. Risk-based security yesterday issued its 2016 breach report, and the U.S. is number one. In this case, unfortunately, that's nothing to take satisfaction in. Still less wave a big foam finger to rhythmic chants of USA, USA. America is number one in the incidence of data breaches. In part, that's because the U.S. creates, stores, and uses an awful lot of data. But still, there are clearly security issues here. Almost half the data exposed in breaches comes from the U.S., according to risk-based security. The CyberWire heard from a lot of industry experts eager to weigh in on this sorry state of affairs. John Gunn from Vasco Data Security sees three factors driving these results. First, he says, a massive number of the hackers that attack U.S. targets are based in Russia and coordinate attacks on the U.S. with involvement of the state, while the U.S. does not do the same. Second, there's a lot of valuable data in the U.S., so the country is targeted on the Willie Sutton-esque grounds that that's where the money is. And finally, he thinks breaches in some other countries, and he's looking at you, Russia, are probably significantly underreported. Willie Leichter of CypherCloud warns other countries not to get cocky, kid. That the U.S. leads the world in data breaches is unsurprising, but the disparity between it and the rest of the world should be a wake-up call and not a source of complacency.
So the U.S. presents a large attack surface. If you consider regions as opposed to individual countries, however, there may be less to the ranking than meets the eye. Brian Lang at Last Line thinks so. Quote, We analyze millions of potentially malicious files every day for our clients in the U.S. and throughout the EU. We believe that the difference noted in the data can be attributed to the attack surface in the U.S. as opposed to individual countries. The U.S. is simply a much larger market with highly centralized aggregations of data. But when taken as a whole, the volume of attacks in the EU and in the U.S. are nearly even. Balabit's Daniel Bagot sees a problem in over-concentration of security researches on perimeter defenses as opposed to detection of malicious activity inside networks, especially in the form of abuse of privileged accounts. New Data Security's Robert Capps finds the report dismaying, but not surprising. He said, quote, What is frustrating about seeing these U.S. numbers is that the data these criminals are going after is most often private user data that's being sold and used for identity fraud, among other types of cybercrime. It's no accident that breaches are up, and so is identity fraud. End quote. He thinks work on strong behavioral analytics and passive biometrics offer the prospect of some technological amelioration of the breach problem. Turning to international cyber conflict, we hear that Sweden's armed forces have disclosed that they've sustained a cyber attack from an unnamed source. The incident required the services to shut down their Caxis IT system. Recovery is in process. Saudi Arabia remains on high alert for further infestations of system-killing Shamoon 2 malware. The infection is thought to be carried, for the most part, by malicious emails. Symantec has been tracking Shamoon's possible connection to the Greenbug cyber espionage group. We close with a quick update on the case of Ruslan Stoyanov, the hacker hunter arrested earlier this week by Russian authorities on charges of treason. As we noted yesterday, it seems unlikely that Stoyanov's employer, Kaspersky Lab, is involved, since the alleged crimes are said to have occurred before he entered Kaspersky's employ, and while he was working for Russia's interior ministry. The treason statute he's been charged under permits secret trials, so it may be some time, if ever, that details become public. But most observers think it likely that the alleged offenses are more along the lines of corruption than, say, espionage. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. (laughs) 
And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. Joining me once again is Marcus Roshecker. He's the Cybersecurity Program Manager at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Uh, Marcus, I saw recently that the Department of Commerce came out with a report. It's called Fostering the Advancement of the Internet of Things. It's something that certainly caught our eye. Um, take us through, you know, what's the process for these kinds of reports? What, what do they, how, how do they come to be and what are they hoping to achieve with them? Yeah, so I think we all have now recognized that the Internet of Things really is the next big thing in cyber security law and policy. Everyone's trying to wrap their heads around how uh, we as a society are going to tackle this this issue. We are seeing through the connectivity of all these new devices um, certainly great promise for individuals and organizations, uh, lots of opportunities there uh, to improve our lives. But also uh, with all that comes a great deal of uh, vulnerability. I think what the Department of Commerce is trying to do here with this report is is highlight some of the benefits of Internet of Things devices, but also highlight some of the concerns that are out there. And, you know, certainly the department itself has its views, but they really wanted to get some input from the general public as well. So these reports, as is the case with many other uh, types of reports that come out in the federal government, uh, are open to public comment for a, a period of time. So uh, interested stakeholders can provide comments to to the government agency, and then the government agency will consider those comments and uh, move forward based on those comments. So I think that's what we're seeing here, and I think it's probably a very good way forward uh, when we're talking about such a complex issue as Internet of Things. And so once they've, they've uh, gathered up the comments, is it then a process of uh, commerce then going to lawmakers themselves and making recommendations for legislation? That could be. Um, but really, I mean, all these comments are there, are, are public comments, so everyone, anyone can review them. Um, hopefully these comments shed some light on some of those important issues um, when it comes to, in this case, Internet of Things. How do we promote industry but also ensure security? So all of that is going to be taken into consideration. And based on what the comments are, I think uh, a strategy is going to be set forth um, in terms of how to proceed. Marcus Rosshecker, thanks for joining us. The name of that Department of Commerce report is Fostering the Advancement of the Internet of Things. And it's easy to find online. If you have a question for any of our academic or research partners, feel free to send us your questions at questions at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to hear from you. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.